Hello and welcome once again to What's Out There, an occasional series of podcasts taking a quick look into interesting topics that appear on our paranormal radar. This time round, I'm feeling just a little inspired. You see, I've been listening to this. From the makers of the Battersea Poltergeist, a new podcast series for BBC Radio 4, Uncanny. There was a very strong sense of pure distilled evil coming from this figure presented by me danny robbins do you believe in ghosts no have you seen one yes and the ghost that i think i saw was my best friend it's just a podcast a few spooky stories told by the people who experienced them the host danny robbins throws them a few questions about what they saw felt or heard A couple of experts are introduced and we get to hear their opinions, be they sceptical or believable. It's a simple premise, something Danny Robbins has touched on before in a previous podcast series called Haunted. So why has Uncanny managed to capture my attention and provide such inspiration? Okay, so here's the plan. In the description for this podcast, I've added the links to the Uncanny episodes about the evil in room 611. If you've not already listened to them, I recommend that you do so now. Then come back and continue to listen to this podcast. The main reason I suggest this is because a lot of what I'm going to say is not going to make an awful lot of sense if you have not already listened to these particular episodes. Okay, now we're all up to date and we know the story behind room 611. Now I have to ask, did the story grab you? Because it certainly grabbed me. I sat there completely enthralled as Ken's story unfolded in episode one. It's Belfast, 1981. We are in room 611 in Allenbrook House, a 10-story concrete tower block, halls of residence for students at Queen's University. Ken begins to relate his chilling story. It starts with a shadow figure, a silhouette of a man so dark, the blackest black he has ever seen. Accompanied by the sound of hissing white noise, it exudes a palpable sense of pure, distilled evil. Ken feels like all hope and good has disappeared. He gets the sense that this figure wants to do him harm. This revelation leads to Danny exclaiming, bloody hell Ken, add a hashtag and you'll have yourself a Twitter trend. A catchphrase for the entire series. The tension builds. Ken goes on to explain more events which make no sense. The experience with the footsteps from violent door banging is especially chilling. Don't worry, I'm not going to run through everything that happens because that would make this a very long podcast. The story continues with Ken discovering more about the room and its previous occupants. We are finally told about the students who died while staying in room 611. One of them fell out of a window, a possible suicide, or they may have been pushed. As I listened to this episode, I found myself trying to work out what may have caused the phenomena that had occurred listening intently to the explanations given by both of the experts reviewing the case. The sceptic putting forward some very valid reasoning 
hypnagogic sleep for the dark figure, infrasound or EMF from the list producing hallucinations. The podcast finishes with Danny asking for any other people who may have stayed in room 611 to contact him with their own stories. This will become very relevant later on. At the end of the podcast, the case is thrown over to the audience. You are asked to send in your theories and ideas and to forward any questions you want to ask. I have questions. In fact, I had a head full of swirling ideas and odd theories, so I reached for a notepad and began to write them all down. Yes, I'm afraid I'm completely hooked. It's an investigation I want in. I want to join Team Uncanny as they pick over the evidence. I want to find out as much as I can about the building, the room, the history of the site itself. I want to hear more stories from people who stayed there. Are there others who experienced the same scary things? I think it's time to talk about Twitter. Because quite a lot of this podcast will touch on things happening on this particular social media platform. If you're not on this platform already, just set yourself up. It's a very simple process and there are lots of interesting people to track down and follow. I follow Danny Robbins on Twitter because he keeps updating the uncanny stories, feeding little snippets of information and encouraging the show followers to join in, adding their own ideas and opinions. It's November. I'm doing the usual rounds of social media and head on over to Twitter to have a look at what's going on. There's a tweet from Danny Robbins. The next uncanny episode on November the 17th is a return to room 611. They have new witnesses and some new information. We are encouraged not to listen to the episode straight away, but to hold on till 9pm and all hit play together in an uncanny listen-along. Afterwards, there is to be a live discussion on Twitter spaces and we can put forward our own theories and questions. You can guess who's there at 9pm, waiting, finger poised over the play button. Oh yes, I've been itching to hear this episode. I've waited all day, fighting the urge to go over to BBC Sounds and listen, because I want to join the masses on the uncanny listen along. I can tell you now, I was not disappointed. Sitting at home listening with I don't know how many hundred other people with live comments been added on Twitter, it's just brilliant. There's a lot of comments, so many in fact that hashtag bloody hell Ken starts to trend on Twitter. The episode introduced two new people who had both stayed in Annabrook House. They had both responded to Danny's request for people who had stayed there to contact him. The first person we hear from is Gary. In 1988, Gary was a student warden living on the 10th floor of Allenbrook House. He recalled a series of odd experiences he had while staying there on his own. These included the lifts going up and down on their own, lights coming on and the phones ringing for no apparent reason. On one occasion, his room had an unexplained power surge that blows out the lights and some of the electrical items. The most chilling part of his tale is when he recounts a story where he's in his room. The window is wide open and he hears his friends calling up to him. He gets up to walk over to the window, trips, staggers forwards and finds himself hanging out of the window looking down at a ten floor drop. He recovers, steps back from the window and looks to see what caused him to trip. 
and there is nothing there. Remember earlier, the person who fell out of the window of room 611, who was possibly pushed. The second person we heard from was Billy. He stayed in room 611 the year after Ken, and he was to experience many of the same events that had previously happened to Ken. The shadow figure with the same sense of pure evil and a similar door banging incident, this time being witnessed by both of the people living in the room. There was further poltergeist activity with objects being moved or thrown around. We were also given some facts about the site prior to Allenbrook House being built there. It appears it was a sand pit with a somewhat gruesome reputation. A researcher had gone through newspaper archives and had found reports of people who had died in the sandpit, including a young soldier and his wife. Could this have anything to do with the experiences in room 611? Compelling evidence with credible witnesses. Two of them are scientists, the other an ex-RAF pilot who now flies commercial aircraft. The mystery deepens. What I really love about all of this is the fact that there are no arguments, no bickering, no insults. Everybody's opinion is valid and holds equal consideration. Whether it's a sceptic putting forward relevant theories to explain the events being down to something perfectly explainable, or a believer countering these theories with their own valid viewpoint. I have read every comment and taken on board many of the points made and have learned an awful lot in the process. For example, I had never heard about the psychology of building design, but we were introduced to an expert in this field who has some interesting theories about environmental factors being a possible explanation for some of the phenomena. Can you see now why I'm so caught up in this series? I said earlier that I'd made some notes as I listened to the episodes and read the comments on Twitter. I inquired on Twitter whether anybody else was doing the same thing, and it seems I'm not alone. There are quite a few of us listening intently and trying our hardest to come up with some answers. Do you want me to share a few observations with you? I have this sneaking suspicion that you might just like that. So, right then. Time to have a look at some of the things I noted down and my own views and opinions. I should stress here that these are my own views and not those of the out there paranormal group. You have the choice. Team Skeptic or team believer, or like me, you could be team sit on the fence, because I really can't decide, although I'm leaning very heavily towards team believer now. Both sides have put up some really interesting points to consider, with perfectly valid explanation for all of the phenomena experienced by the room 611 occupants. In my own investigations, I decided to put some of the explanations to the test. First of all, I wanted to know the layout of the sixth floor. I was looking for the position of the lift shaft in relation to room 611. The theory of the lift shaft emitting EMF or infrasound had got me wondering just how close would the room have to be to the lift shaft for these factors to be taken into account. Fortunately Danny posted a floor plan on Twitter. I was surprised to see that the room was not next door to the lift shaft but a little further away. I would have thought that the proximity of the room to the lift shaft would be a factor. The lift shaft hypothesis also had me thinking 
Did any of the other floors experience anything? There are ten floors in Allenbrook House, and the lift shaft runs through all of them. Yes, admittedly the focus here is on room 611, but I feel the net needs to be cast a bit wider though, to be able to accept the infrasound and EMF theory being responsible for the phenomena. The shadow figure could easily be down to hypnagogic sleep, and this theory does offer the perfect explanation. Drifting off to sleep, subconscious mind kicks in, spooky shadow figure appears along with associated feeling of fear. What throws the proverbial spanner into the works here is the fact that three people had the exact same experience. There is a possibility that they all concocted the same story, but that does not appear to be the case here. You can see the dilemma I'm having here, convincing arguments with valid explanations for both the sceptic and the believer. And this has happened with every single episode. The story unfolds, the experts take a deeper look, and I sit there listening intently, trying to work out just what it could possibly be. I love the fact that I get to join in, to look at the evidence and weigh up the possibilities. To me, this is just how a paranormal investigation should be conducted. I'm in a big team of like-minded people, all carefully considering the evidence and explanations and sharing their ideas and views on Twitter. I could go into some depth about the state of play in the paranormal field, but I'll save that little gem for a more ranting podcast. Let me just say this. I had become very disillusioned with it all. I badly needed a lift to encourage me to carry on. This podcast has done just that. I want to leave you with some food for thought. How about this theory I put together? The lift shaft produces an infrasound standing wave vibrating at 19 hertz. This is the frequency that is thought to cause hallucinations and the feelings of fear. The people in the room are just drifting off to sleep. The 19 hertz standing wave activates their brain and this combined with the hypnagogic sleep state they are in produces the shadow figure and associated feelings of fear. Hypothetical, yes. Can I prove it? No. The next thing to consider. There is a malignant presence in the room. It appears and begins to emit its wave of pure undiluted evil. It may have already been the cause of one mysterious death in that room, or possibly many more when the site was a sand pit. It frightens the life out of the three young men who cannot explain just what they experienced. Once again, hypothetical, once again, I cannot prove it. I will tell you something though. It's been fascinating finding my way to those and all my other conclusions. And I cannot wait for the next visit to Allenbrook Hall and room 611. Until next time folks, I do hope you sleep well and don't get disturbed during the night by strange shadowy figures. Goodbye. Thank you.